This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and I've got Bill Woodich on the line. Bill, how are you today? Michael, I'm fantastic. Thank you. That's awesome. You have a brand new book out. It's titled Fail More, Embrace, Learn, and Adapt to Failure as a Way to Success. Uh, as we talked about briefly before we started, I think there has never been a book that's more timely than this book when it comes to what we do in life, entrepreneurs, businesses, and all of that. You know, the embracing of failure is such a crucial step for long-term success. So one, congratulations on you know, hitting number one on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, way to hog the, the spotlight and the top <laughs> list. No, but, uh, no, but seriously, congratulations on that. So let's dive right in. Um, what prompted you to write the book? You know, there's always been a part of me, Michael, that's, that's been a rebel. Uh, in the early days, it was a rebel with really with, without a cause or a clue. And I started looking around today and I thought, what is it that we need to do? What do I see in my own company? And I see a, not only a fear of, of, of failure, but just an overall fear that stymies people and, and stymied before the attempt by the imagination that will stop them. And I thought, you know, the rebel in me would say, all the books that talk about parachutes, success, you can do this. And there's not one that, can actually, that will actually come right out with cognitive dissonance and say, <clears throat> fail more. At least you're going to look at the book. And in the book, you're going to find the hows of failure. If I fail, what do I do? So it's not a motivation book that says you got to get up. The only failure is the, you know, the failure to start again and get off the floor. No, it's a how-to book that takes you through fear, actually explains what's happening to you, helps you get out of that fear, and then make that move forward. Because we both know that, that failure is, to the serious student of success, an indispensable teacher. It's so crucial because if you don't fail, then I, quite frankly, I feel you're not really pushing the envelope or trying hard enough to do the work you're doing. You're just basically doing the basic low level. Uh, if, if people didn't embrace failure, then this technology that we're using right now wouldn't exist or our smartphones or the cars, you name it, anything that we use in life was driven first by some failed attempts to create that product or service. And if those people didn't learn from those experiences, we wouldn't have what we have today. It's funny, he was saying that, I was thinking about the lights that are on. I think how many times Edison failed. And he was able to do what Churchill you know, advised and go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And I think, you know, as you said, I just want to segue on one thing. You look at it this way. There's a threshold of failure that you have to expect. And Elon Musk will tell you that he expects 90% failure in everything he does. He expects that. 10% is a bonus. It's just, it's an amazing thing because you, we wouldn't have the things we have without people who have failed many, many, many times. And it's crucial. And it, it's one of those things where, and you alluded to it a few minutes ago on 
There are organizations that operate in this world of fear. Don't make any mistakes. Don't do this. And what happens is people are bringing that baggage into everything that they do. And what happens is they are afraid to make a mistake to the point where they're going to end up making a mistake. And it could be catastrophic depending on what they're working on or debilitating to the point where they end up losing their job because they were just too afraid to make a mistake instead of focusing their attention on the creativity, uh, the ability to do whatever they're working on uh, and, and build something new or make something better with the permission to say, yeah, you're going to let, let's find those mistakes. Let's find those errors, whether it's, you know, coding for software or anything like that. Let's find them because once you find them, you can deal with them and then it, it, and you can learn and actually be better at it where you make less mistakes on things than you did before. You're still going to make them, but by doing that, you have the freedom to be creative and go, okay, yep, that didn't work. All right, let's, let's fix that. And I love the Elon Musk analogy because yeah, you think about you know, all the things that you know, he has done and continues to do. Yeah, there's going to be a failure rate on it, but you know, they, they land SpaceX on a postage stamp in the middle of the ocean. Um, right. You know, that, that on itself is like, wow, that's amazing. Right. You just encapsulated brilliantly, I may add, the essence of Failmore, when you talked about fear in an organization, organization, collection of people, culture. And I have gone to great lengths in this company and I've been stewarding this company for almost, almost 26 years it, to, to rid it of those fields of failure, of the fear of failure, of the unwillingness to try. And as an owner, I'm able to accept that, you know, we're, we're going to take some, some penalties. We're going to take some hits to the board. We're going to do, we're going to spend some time in the penalty box. We're going to have some blood on the ice. Uh, we're going to pay some money for people's mistakes. But if we're learning, progressively learning from constructive mistakes, where we can then take and have a forensic exercise to say, what went wrong here? What would we do different? We can apply that knowledge we have and make it better for the future. And I think, Michael, you're, you're going to have bodies in a company, but you're not going to keep minds if you have a company that espouses a, a, a general, let's say, uh, or embraces a culture that is, you can't make a mistake. You're going to just have bodies following rote form, and you'll have a bunch of myrmidons at the end of the day. Well, there was a stat that came out in December, um, Ceridian, a payroll, an HR company you know, based out of Canada, but they're turning into global companies similar to ADP. And they surveyed uh, Canadian workers and they said that seven out of 10 or basically 73% indicated that if they received a job offer today, they would take that job offer and leave the organization. Seven out of 10. And I think a lot of those organizations, unfortunately, are running with this fear mindset and not you know, giving their employees any elbow room to learn and create and make mistakes. And I think one of the big things that, you know, when I think about errors and failures and all of that stuff, taking the opportunity and actually looking at what failed, you know, what were the ingredients? What can we learn from this? And it makes us better. Failure makes us better. And I think that's, that's a disconnect that so many people have. They, they're, they, they don't think of failure and getting better in the same sentence, which they should, um, you know, think about all the pro sports athletes and everybody else, you know, they failed 
until they won the championships. Yeah. And it's, and in life, it's the same thing. You know, we, you know, we have, we've heard the analogy, you know, okay. As a toddler, you took a f- couple steps and you fell down and you're like, oh, no, this walking thing's not for me. No, you, 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 you get back up and you keep at it until you can walk and then run and then they start climbing and then you're moving the cookies to the top shelf and then you see them on top of the fridge and it's all fun and games. But it's, it's one of those things where, um, again, I'm so thrilled that this book is out because it really hammers home the, the need for you know, failing the right way and learning from it and, and moving forward and you end up you know, having a better company, better products, better services. And, and you know, it's, it's be, what, you're, what you're alluding to as well is that you have to be able to dispassionately look at your failure without that personal blame and recrimination. Put that to the side. You know, it doesn't do anything to, to, to help you learn from the failure. Dispassionately, what happened here in terms of what we did, what we didn't do, and what we could do without bringing in that it's my fault, it's your fault, forget that part. We'll look at the people part later, but now let's look at the process. Let's look at the product. What is it that didn't work? So I'm very dispassionate about being able to carve out, to take a scalpel and separate that. And you talk about babies, yeah, we didn't know any better. But then all the, you know, we, we grew up and we learned society says, uh, don't do this because the spotlight will come on, you'll fail, you'll be less than, you'll feel shame you'll feel remorse, don't do it. And we tend to shrink into that bubble of, okay, we're just going to conform. And the conformity is, is playing it safe. And that's when you don't get new products and services and organizations are just kind of standing by the sidelines. Meanwhile, the organizations that are learning from their failures and being proactive and you know, activity you know, I know I, I forget exactly what your quote is, you know, but you know, the activity really moves things forward because if you don't, then your competition is going to pass you by the wayside and you're going to end up as an organization, either no longer existing or completely damaged to the point where you're not going to be able to recruit. And, you know, right now in you know, our, our workforce, it seems to be, you know, an employee friendly world out there. So, you know, people are choosing, you know, to where they want to work and you want to be an organization where people want to be. You know, and you're, it, what, you're, what you're referencing is activity rules success. And that was the only prescription I had, Michael, for success right out of school. I didn't know anything about what success was, what it looked like. And there was this little ruler on a desk and I was, I was assigned the desk. And it said, activity rules success on the ruler. And I thought, well, if that's the prescription, if that's the formula, if that's the magic, then just have a whole lot of activity. Inherent in the activity was the learning curve it took to have the right kind of activity to get the result. But that took thousands and thousands of flailing failures to learn that. And that is the bar that you have to raise, not only as an organization, let's talk about people. If you want to be better as a person, to learn more, to grow more, to do more, to feel more, to affect more out there, you've got to learn how to fail, how to fail intelligently, how to move forward, and how to assist others on their journey. There is no other bargain. Two sides of the same coin, success, failure. Pick it up, use it, understand they go hand in hand. So what do you do when you come up 
against an organization or an executive that, you know, isn't, you know, thinking failure is the right way to go about it. How, what, what are some things that you do to convince them and that organization that they're completely missing the boat by not embracing failure in its proper form? I think you have to seek a narrative within them and ask them the questions of what was it that you did to get to this point? And then there had to be some point where you, whether you call it failure, setback, stubbing your toe, coming up short, what was it? What was the crucible that really turned this into an opportunity that you were able to actually then engage in and exploit? And I think if you go back and ask enough questions, you can challenge them to say, yeah, there was this one point. But there was this one thing, and I think then you're dealing with someone, and I've seen this in organizations, who like to play it, as you call it, safe, because you no longer want to risk your ego. You've accomplished, you've accomplished some things. You no longer want to put yourself out there for rejection, because there is this luster around you that you're successful. And that's the biggest, biggest hurdle I have, is taking people who have done something and then are content to sit on success, which is impossible because success, is, is, as you know, is always under construction. You can't stand still. It's always going to move forward. And that's the biggest challenge I have is to try to invoke a narrative within them that they remember at some point to get here, I had to do this. Maybe I didn't have as much at risk, but to get the reward, I had to risk something. So it's a process and it really starts with a conversation. Yeah, it's the, it's the thing where you know, people say, oh, I'm success, the business is going good. Okay, you know, let's hit you know, cruise control and away we go. I, I'm surprised that there's organizations that still have that mindset because you know, we've seen in the last you know, 10, 15 years, you know, organizations that were you know, top of their game are gone. Um, or, you know, like I think I forget the stat, but I think in the 1960s, there's only 60 of the Fortune 500 organizations that existed in the mid 60s around today. So it means 440 organizations that were top 500 on the planet are gone. Um, and I'm guessing many of those people went, hey, we're successful. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, now look at them. They're gone. And no. it's, it's amazing. A, a little bit of success leads to a whole lot of comfort and complacency. <clears throat> Excuse me. And complacency and comfort are the death knell for an achiever. And, and I want to say this because I, I know we're going to we'll run out of time before we can go through this. But I'm a reductionist. So I'm going to go back and say, what's the root cause? Why do we fear? You know, why do we avoid? What's the root cause? And, and there was a groundbreaking study done by Kahneman and Tversky. And they found that all human fears come down to two things the fear of change and the fear of loss and loss meaning whether it's money, whether it's prestige, we're shamed. We, we don't want to put ourselves out there and lose. We'd rather keep what we have instead of risking something to gain. And boy, mention the C word in a company and knees start to knock and that's change. But those are the two most important things we must do change and understand risk and not be as risk averse if we're ever going to grow. And that's what happens. People don't want to change and they fear loss. And then what happens is they end up losing their organizations because Period. of change. 
And Exclamation point. Because somebody like me comes in and somebody like me comes in and, and takes over as a, uh, we're, we're an opportunist when it comes to that. We see complacency. It's a soft underbelly in business and we go after it. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. And there's, there's plenty to choose from out there. That's for oh. sure. A lot of low-hanging fruit, right? Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it, you, you don't need to be very tall to be able to reach it. You, you can leave the ladder at home. It's it. You, you can have the toddler grab it if you want to. It's so low. That's awesome. Bill, I've enjoyed this conversation. And again, congratulations on, on the book and all the awesome work that you're doing. Where can people find out more about you and the awesome stuff you're doing? You can find me at BillWoodich.com, and that's W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H, BillWoodich.com. And at Bill Woodage. Awesome. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. Bill, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate you. And again, congratulations on this groundbreaking book. It's going to change a lot of organizations, I hope. You know what? I've done a lot of interviews over the the years. And I I will tell you, you are outstanding. I appreciate talking to you. Well, thank you so much, Bill. Appreciate you. And until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.